everybody. It's Sue Bidstrup with the Great Big Yes Podcast. Welcome. I am so glad that you're here. On this podcast, I encourage you to say yes to building a business and a life that you love. I'm excited to share this episode with you. I have a guest today. Her name is Sharon Bolt. She lives in the UK. She's got a great accent and a great story. And I just love her attitude. She's so encouraging. She's so energetic. She's followed her passions and as an entrepreneur has had a bunch of different things happen. She had a dog training company and now she has a publicity company. What happened is a story she's going to tell here, but she went ahead and was on the radio and in front of millions of listeners and her business started booming and she got really interested in the publicity side of it and kind of what happened to her in that trajectory. So I'm excited for her to share that with you. She even shares some tips with us if we want to get publicity for our business. And she just, like I said, she just has a great personality and um, is just so encouraging and definitely an example of a woman entrepreneur who has said yes and just followed her passion and is living a full, abundant life because of that. So I'm excited for you to meet Sharon. Later in this episode, I will be bringing you an installment of, wait, what? Something that I have seen in news or current events that has made me scratch my head and ask, what in the world is going on here? So I will be bringing that to you later today. But without further ado, here is my conversation with Sharon. Enjoy. All right. Hi, Sharon. How are you? I'm good, Sue. How are you? I'm good. I'm so excited to be talking to you. And the fact that you're in the UK and you have your beautiful accent is so much fun. It's so different. So thanks for being here. Thank you. I'm so excited about being on your show. I can't wait. Yay. Awesome. Well, can you start by just kind of introducing yourself and telling us what you do? Now, I know it's a long story and we're going to get more into the details, but kind of give a little bit of an overview of it for the listeners. Yes. Well, what I do is I'm a PR expert and I really focus on teaching business owners and entrepreneurs how to do their own PR and really to get their voice known, to stand out from the crowd, to get on the top publications, on the top podcast shows, radio stations, TV, everything. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. So what I love about your story is what you're doing now isn't what you set out to do. So can you tell us a little bit about the first, when you started It's the dog businesses that I want you to get to, but can you start on like just letting us know how you transitioned, what you were doing and then how it transitioned into this publicity business? Yeah, well, it really started. I had a complimentary therapy practice. It was it was good fun. I enjoyed it. It was, it was actually born that, that business was born out of a passion of mine. I, I just really was really interested in natural healing and remedies. And so I, I really just got into that business because of my passion and my love for it. Mm-hmm. And everything was good. I had no reason to look to do anything else. I had a thriving business. I had wonderful clients. And then we got these two little puppies and they were <laughs> so cute. <laughs> yeah, gorgeous. Uh, two Parson Russell Terrier puppies. So a bit like Jack Russell's, but longer legged mm-hmm. and just just gorgeous. And so we decided, oh, we really ought to get them listed into a puppy socialization class. 
And so I contacted, in fact, I spoke to seven or eight different dog trainers uh, because it was just so they were all so bu- busy and, and booked up. But what they all said to me is, oh, my goodness, you've you've taken on the worst case scenario. What you've got there is because you've got two siblings from the same litter, the blood connection, their fight for the top dog position, they do whatever they want. And it usually gets really nasty that you'll have to rehome one of them. And I thought, oh, my God, what have I done? And I just looked at these little puppies and I thought, do you know what? There's no way I could choose out of these. I couldn't rehome one of them. And and so it was so funny. I can still remember just because they they one fit in one hand, one fitted in the other hand. And I said out loud to them, you two are not going anywhere. So I was on a mission and I was, I just had to find a way. I knew it had to be different from the conventional dog training methods because that's what I'd been given the feedback. It was going to be disastrous. So I just really learned and studied and I watched how they interacted and I really learned how to speak dog really and mm. and how they were looking at me for direction because of it and the leadership skills and and you know all that type of thing so it was it was great and I was just so passionate about the dog training and so much so I was getting great results with them it was about a year into the journey with them. And then I thought to myself, well, okay, let's start including dog training consultations to my complementary therapy practice clients who have problems and getting great results with them too. And, and it was around that sort of time, I was listening to a, a national radio station here in, in the UK, BBC Radio 2. And the uh, the host said, we're going to get a dog training expert on the show the following week. And I thought, you know what? I could do that. I'm having such great results. I'm doing really well. I think I could really help them. So I'm I'm going to go for it. So I sat down at the computer and I wrote this pitch and I sent it off and I got nothing back. And then it was was really a couple, well, it was a day or two later, the same host was saying, right, with this dog training feature, we're going to talk about overweight dogs. And he actually said podgy dogs. So I I sat down, Sue, at the computer and in the subject line, I wrote podgy dogs, I'm your girl. (laughs) Oh, I love it. What a great subject line. I I love it. (laughs) <laughs> that that's very relevant that's that's their sense of humor that will get that email answered anyway so that happened and I got nothing back and then the day later I I pitched again I I, I was sure I could help so I just went for it yet again and that was on the Friday and then the Monday morning I got a call from the show which obviously was a bit of an interview they were doing with me saying oh this sounds really good and you know we think that you'll be good for the show two days later I was sitting in a London studio live in front of six million listeners when I had no dog training business I had no dog training website and I had no subscribers but I just really believed I could make a difference Okay, I got to stop you there. This is amazing. 
This is so amazing for my people to listen to. So you said a couple things there that are just so important. Um, you thought when you heard him say that, that they were calling for a dog trainer, you were like, I could do that. Like you thought I could do that. And you just did it. Like you, you jumped in with both feet, you know, and I love that you say you had no audience, you had no business, like, but you knew you could help them. You knew you could be the one on there. And then the, the way that you pursued it, like your persistence in it is so awesome that you kept writing to them. You didn't let no answer keep you down. No, and that's true. So, and, but the, the thing I think is also good to point out is I was really careful who I told that I was pitching the show because, you know, this was a national radio station. I wasn't a dog training expert per se, Mm-hmm. But, I, you know, I was doing what people don't normally do. And I knew that if I told too many people, they would, of course, in a very loving and kind way, they would reflect back to me their own fears as if they were doing it themselves. So I kept myself very cocooned and very focused. And I was very careful of who I told I was going to do it until after the, the event had happened. Okay. Let's just pause here. That's gold. That is gold because so many people get discouraged by what someone says to them. Like I have a woman who I'm um, coaching and she's starting a um, business and she mentioned to somebody what she was doing and she told them the price and the person said, I would never pay that for that. And that discouraged her. And I said, that's not your client. And also what you said is it really has nothing to do with you, what they're saying. They're reflecting their fears back on you. Yes, that's so true. So, and and I'm going to take it even one step further because that included my husband. He was really frightened. You know, he, Mm -hmm. he was, he was, had all the fears of what if they ask her a question she doesn't know? What if she makes a mistake? You know, she's on national radio, it's live. And he told me that when I got home, he said I was pacing the living room, wiping my sweaty palms with a towel saying, get her on and get her off. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Yeah, I I get that. And I think that's really, really important. That's going to be really valuable for people to hear. Um, You knew in your own heart, like you knew that you could do this and not having other voices kind of poo-pooing that is, is what you needed. You needed to stay in your lane. You needed to kind of put those earmuffs on while you were pursuing it. So I love that. That's really good advice. Yeah. And I think it's so crucial. You know, it's a, it's a shaky time for us. You know, uh, we'll, we'll believe in it and everything. But if you get too many naysayers say, oh, no, what if it goes wrong? I was the playing the wouldn't it be wonderful if game, not the what if it goes wrong game. Mm, but I had to amen. play that game on my own. Yeah. I, amen. I always encourage people instead of thinking of what could go wrong, think of what could go right. <laughs> yes. Right. Okay. I love that. So you go on here, there's millions of people listening and then what happened? So I 
that I came off the show, the researcher said, oh, it, it said it went so well and enjoyed the what was going on. And of course, that launched my dog training business overnight. Right. Now, a couple of things to say here, though, Sue, um, mm-hmm. because I think, you know, it's important to be transparent and, and, and really say, you know, what to expect, because bearing in mind, I was not set up at all for for that type of national media exposure. I had no website. I had I had nothing. In fact, what I I quickly did was to add a page on my complimentary therapy website, just so I had something. But of course, I I wasn't set up for it. So truthfully, I got zero business from that. And bearing in mind, I was in front of around about 6 million listeners, zero business. Okay, I have a question. Did you, did they want to do business with you, but you had nowhere for them to go? So you lost business in that? Or like how, like, did you know people were, if people were trying to contact you, they just didn't have a way to contact you? Or did you do you know what I'm saying? Like, did you know, like they were trying to contact you and you didn't have anywhere for them to go or did no one contact you from it? Nobody contacted me because they couldn't find me. Yeah. That's what I mean. They couldn't find you. You didn't. Okay. So looking back then you're, I'm assuming maybe your advice would be, okay, before you do something like this, have some, have a something set up where they can come to at least a landing page um, and get a hold of you. Well, there's a couple of things that came from it. One, as I said, I got zero business. People couldn't find me. You know, it was it was the early days of the Internet anyway. You know, people weren't sort of like clued up like they are today. But what it did do, Sue, is that because I have that national media exposure, I plastered that all over my marketing then. It opened doors for me. So I could splatter as as heard on BBC Radio 2. You know, it was so credible that Mm -hmm. it opened doors for me. So that's what it did do. It's good. Yeah. answer the question is in an ideal world yes I always say to people be set up get get something as you say a landing page at least a freebie on your website so people can start signing up and you can start building a relationship with them so offer them something on your website get that all Mm -hmm. set up your your website does not have to be perfect. It just has to look nice and good, but as much as you can get yourself set up. But here's the thing that I would say, don't miss out on an opportunity that arises. Right. So go for it anyway, because you'll find a way to kind of harness that into something like you did. You used it for your marketing don't pass it up because you think, oh, I don't have my website ready. Exactly what I'm saying. So yeah. don't put, because you see, the thing is with the media, so is that it's it's all about now. It's all about what's current. It's what's happening now. I have not heard BBC Radio 2 do another segment like that whereby I could have pitched. So if I'd have thought to myself, well, you know, I haven't got anywhere to send people. I've got no website. I don't think I could do this. If I had any of that, 
I wouldn't have got the national credibility. Like I say, it changed things overnight for me because I could then put that on my marketing and that's what opened the door. So don't don't miss out on an opportunity because when the media come knocking, it's quick and you have to respond fast. So don't miss out on that. I love that. I love that because I do think a lot of entrepreneurs get stuck feeling like, oh, I need to have the perfect website or I need to have the perfect logo or I need to have everything matching in color or I need to have, right? And this perfectionism and this kind of the state of like planning and preparing is really procrastination a lot of times. And so I say to people, just get going. Action's going to bring clarity. Um, Say yes and figure it out, (laughs) right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, so. and don't miss out. You did that. Yes. And, and, you know, right from, you know, I hadn't, I really didn't have anything there, but I could build from it. And as I say, it made my transition then into the dog training world very easy because of course I stood out from the crowd big time then because it's like I'm the dog trainer that's been interviewed on BBC radio too, you know, a national radio station. So even dog trainers that had been, I don't know, for five, 10 years, I stood out even more than they did because they didn't have the endorsement from the media. I love this. It's so good. So then you did your dog training business. Did you, when did you decide to kind of shift from dog training into publicity? Well, I did the dog training business then for, for a number of years and I still have a dog training business today. It's called Good Dogs. And what I did is I created numerous dog training online courses. So there's courses for for all types of unwanted behaviors that's online also for people that want to become professional dog trainers so i i actually set about and record i i i got um, a professional production company we filmed for 30 plus days and i created these these dvds and then clips for online courses so so these sell all over the world now And then once I got that all up and running and I was still getting so much media attention, I'd been on TV, I'd I'd had a radio slot and still have on BBC Radio since 2008. I was getting on national newspapers, magazines. I mean, the media was knocking on my door. I wasn't pitching them. They were just coming because I'd had so much media exposure. And I just really loved it. And, and I felt that then my passion was starting to shift for the publicity stuff. And then, of course, the business owners and entrepreneurs were saying to me, how do you do it? What do you do? Tell us. And so Get Free Publicity Today was born. Okay. I love this for so many reasons. You said something that I want to point out to everyone listening. Your passion started to shift. I think that's really important to embrace that when we feel energy, when we feel this passion to move towards something new, I think often we kind of fight it in a way we say, well, I've invested so much over here or, well, I have years of experience over here. I have tons of education over here. I've done this thing. And you you kind of don't want to make that shift. And I love that you were able to make that shift and follow that passion and still you keep doing the dog stuff too, but you, you get to follow this new thing that you love 
as well. Can you speak to that? Your passion starting to shift. Were you scared about that at all? Did you hesitate? I, I'm always, and I'm like you, Sue, I, I always have followed my passion. When I felt excited, when I was just waking up excited, wanting to do something, didn't really want to go to bed at night because I was like, oh, I've got to do that and I'm going to do this. Right. It's a no brainer for me. I mean, people say to me, has your husband still got hair? Because <laughs> it's, that's what I do. Once I'm lined up with that, I go for it. And, and yeah. you know, my husband has still got a full head of hair. I, I just <laughs> listen to a head ad, but, but people are, are surprised that he does because <laughs> that's what yeah. I do is I, I go for it. And it's not really that I discuss it too much to be honest when I'm that lined up it's like this is what I'm doing this is my passion this is what I'm following but of course I had done the dog training business enough to start thinking business wise with it and how could I still have a business with that that would would still bring me passive income and that's what it is every month I get a great amount of passive income from the my dog training courses so I thought business-wise, strategically, of how I could still utilize that and mm-hmm. then get that all set up and running so I could really focus on my publicity business. Okay, so I have a question about the passive income. So when you first started, um, after you went on the radio show and then you got a lot of business for the dog training and um, that was going really well. I know you created online courses, but before that, did you train dogs like in person one-on-one? Yes. Yes. So I offered home consultations. I also used to do dog training courses where people would come and I would, I would, my whole USP with dog training is that I I actually train the owner not the dog because Mm -hmm. (laughs) dogs are easy. It's the owners I focus on. So I used to have people would come on my one day online, uh, my, my one day dog training course. And it, there was no dogs. It was all humans. And then I also used to do um, I did a five day advanced dog trainer course as well. So, yes, I did all of that. But as my business progressed and my my passion shifted, I I transferred it all online. Everything that I used to do in person, I transferred online to then get an income coming in to free me up then in order to, to really focus on my passion of, of publicity. Okay. I love that because a lot of people I work with, they may have been doing something for a while, right? Like coaching or like you're saying like dog training. I don't have any dog trainers. I love this topic because I love my dog. Um, but they've been doing something for a while, kind of one-on-one and they felt like maybe that's not sustainable, right? They can't, do that, you know, you can only coach so many people one-on-one or you can only help so many people one-on-one, but then they're interested in building their online presence and their online courses and things like that. So I love that you did that. You kind of went through all of the business stuff, right? So the people that you're helping get publicity, you understand their entrepreneurial journey. Yes, absolutely. And, and I think that's, you know, what was important is to, to set up the business. Like my dog training business just runs itself now. I mean, yes. I do the media interviews for anything that happens in the press with the dogs. I've to say I've got my regular BBC slot on that. And so I still do my media stuff about the dog training. But my focus on when I'm pitching and, and what I'm doing is always about my publicity business. 
Yes. Okay. I love that. So tell me about the publicity business. Like, what do you, could you give like one tip if people say, I heard this great quote, it was like, marketing is what you pay for. Publicity is what you pray for. (laughs) Right. And it's kind of, it's kind of interesting thought, but I know there are things you can do to go about getting publicity. So like, is there a tip you could give our listeners? Like if they want to get publicity for their business? Yes, of course. So, and if you'd like, I'll I'll give a whole example and a a scenario of how to do it. If you'd like me to. Sure. Absolutely. Well, one of the easiest ways to get publicity for any business is what's called newsjacking. And that what that means is you keep a, a check on what's going on in, in the news, what's happening currently. The media is all about what's happening now. So, so you keep a, a check on what's going on. And with newsjacking is that you, whatever it is, you then look to piggyback your business off what's going on. Now, I'll explain this further because I'm sure people are saying, well, I don't understand. So I'm going to give you an example of what I mean. One of the best ways to do this is what's going on in the celebrity world. So let's take, for example, when Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie divorced. I mean, it was just a shock, wasn't it, across Mm -hmm. the whole world? I mean, you know, even here in the UK, it was on the front pages. It was a big ripple of, of, of people couldn't believe it. But with that, it presented a lot of different PR or publicity options to business owners so for example a divorce lawyer could have come up with a story idea and pitched to the press with something like seven steps to getting the best divorce settlement and still remaining friends because Mm -hmm. obviously they're you know people are going to know when something hits like that and it doesn't have to be as big as Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie divorcing but when something hits the news Journalists are looking from different angles. They're looking for experts and authorities that can give them a story around that. So for a divorce lawyer, that was that was really something that could have, you know, they could have pitched. But from that same story, say the Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie divorcing, if you are a relationship expert, you could have come with a story idea such as five sure signs that your marriage is heading for divorce. Mm. you're taking a divorce topic and you're slanting it to what your business is and what your authority is and then say if you as a parenting expert or a child psychiatrist from this same story you could have come up with an idea such as how to make sure your child doesn't think that divorce is their fault Oh, that's good. Yeah. (laughs) So can you see, Sue, from that one story, different business experts would be able to pitch their story ideas. It's current, it's relevant. And the journalists were just really hungry for that type of information. Now, they would not care how long you've been in business, whether you've had any prior media exposure, as long as you can entertain and and, and educate their audience and come up with a relevant story idea, like what I explained there, you are good to go. Okay. So what I love about that is that's so great to think of it from different angles and, and, you know, definitely to piggyback on like what's going on in the news already. Um, 
I love that. But I also love, I, I always talk to my people about this. I feel like we get really self-conscious and we, we make it about us. And so we try to, you know, have the perfect bio, have the perfect background. We, we think we need more education. We need more experience, but really what you just said is they don't care about that as long as you can entertain and educate their audience. So it's focusing on how you serve people, like how you go out and, and what your story means to them. Not, it's like, we got to take the self-consciousness off of ourselves and say, how can I show up and serve this audience? That's exactly right, Sue. And that, what you're pointing out there is the number one biggest mistake business owners and entrepreneurs make when they try to get publicity. They make it about them and not about what they can do for, for the journalist and entertain and inform the audience. That's what the, the journalist is interested in. They, they don't care about us. They really don't. It's right. what you can do for them. And as long as you pitch it in that way, that how you can entertain, why it happens, you know, you could speak as an authority on this subject, on that topic and that type of thing. And they're like, yes, I can go with this. Well, and what I love about that is I remember when I was younger, you know, graduating college and, and interviewing for jobs. And I remember, you know, you're, you're trying so hard to sell yourself. And I remember, um, you know, getting some coaching on that and, and learning, you know, you, you really are in there deciding if it's a good fit. And then I became a recruiter and I understood that as the interviewer, I was looking for the right person too. So the journalist here or the TV station or the reporter or whatever, they have a need. So it's not just about you like seeing, like begging them to love you. It's they have a need and they're looking to fill it. So can you serve it, serve it, you know, serve that need? Can you help them? And so I love kind of that shift. And I think once we make that shift, it's not all about like, pick me, pick me, pick me. It's like, really, you should pick me because I'm the best person for the job. And here's why. Does that make sense? Like it's a total shift in mindset. That's perfectly said, Sue, and it is that. And and also within that shift is that journalists need people like you and me and the listeners. They need us. Yes. If, if we don't give them good stories, they've got no job. It is their job. They have to remain impartial. And they're not an expert in everything they report on. So right. without having experts to be good sources to for them, they, their job is extremely hard work. So you, when your job is to make their life as easy as you possibly can, you do the research, you give them everything you possibly can so they can, they can just, you know, they've got all these deadlines and they just want to quickly be able to, to do it. It's a headache for them to meet deadlines and to get good stories. So they want you to pitch them. They just want you to be relevant and send people pitches to the right journalists at the right time. Right. And I think that's hard to know too. You know, you were answering a call off the radio basically. So how do we know? I mean, if you're starting out and you want to get publicity, do you just call a radio station or a TV station? You know, how does that work? Like, is there a way that you enter into it all? Like, who do you call? (laughs) Well, what you would do first of all, so wherever it is that you want to be to be on, to be featured in, research that channel thoroughly. 
So if even if it's the local newspaper or, you know, the TV show, watch the TV show, read the newspaper, listen to the podcast. You know, it's that type of thing so that you know what they like, what what type of stories do they cover? What what type of themes do they like? And then it's so easy to find direct numbers now and email addresses, particularly, you know, if it's on a written piece, there's often they are, you know, they're saying, got a good story, email me here. They want you to email them. So wherever you possibly can, email them directly. But your job, first of all, is to find your niche journalists so that Mm. you're emailing the right people because there's nothing that annoys a journalist more so than receiving emails and pitches from people that is completely irrelevant to what they what they they either report on or they feature. Right. No, that makes sense. You don't want to waste their time. You want to make their job easier. That's exactly it. So, and and your job is to research and research and research. Uh, you know, if it's a national newspaper, buy that national newspaper every day. Or if it's an online, read that national online publication every day. Where can you fit in? Where can you add value? Where can you be a good source for them? That's what you're looking for. Oh my gosh. I love this, Sharon. This is so good. Thank you for this. It's so good. And it's so fun and encouraging and hopeful too, right? Like we never know what's going to come out of us stepping out and saying yes. So you going on that show, you had no idea that it would boost your business that much and then lead you to a business in publicity. It's just really cool the way that it worked out, the trajectory of that whole thing. Yeah, and it is about following your passion. And and I didn't I didn't do anything until I felt that passion. It wasn't just a, an idea. I was passionate. I was yeah. And this is the, the key thing that I say to people: when you have that, don't wait for other people to validate you. Yes, amen. You don't need permission from someone else. Just do it. Exactly. When you feel it, and and sometimes, you know, you just need to reiterate that story in your own head, you know, write it down, read it back to yourself. I am good enough. I can do this. Look at the amazing results I've had. People tell me how good I am. I'm going to believe it. I'm going to believe what I see with my own eyes. You are singing that song so it becomes ingrained. And don't wait for anyone else to say you're good enough or that give you permission or validate you. That is your job. You're the one that has to do that for you. Oh, this is incredible. And I'm smiling ear to ear because I it's like you're singing my tune. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. And, and you're a perfect example of really just saying yes. And so Thank you for sharing that with us. Now, where can people find you? Um, you know, where's the best place to find if they want to learn more about your publicity business or your dog business? Well, the, my dog business, if they want to go to good-dogs.co.uk, they'll find my website there. For the publicity, 
business that is getfreepublicitytoday.com. That's all one word, getfreepublicitytoday.com. And at the moment, I've got a free masterclass that people can sign up. So if they've liked this, but they want more, there's a, a, a masterclass that I've got that people can sign up for on the website, which is called Five Steps That Gets You in Front of Thousands or Even Millions of Your Dream Clients and Positions You as the Go-To Expert in Your Niche fast and that's without blogging using facebook ads or tech okay wait i love the end there without blogging or using facebook ads or tech is gold (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing because i think so many entrepreneurs get so overwhelmed by the tech yes they get stuck right there and then they have cement shoes on and they can't move and they think i can never do this they get overwhelmed exactly and it is easy i mean i'm chatting to you now i'm i'm in my home office i'm relaxed I, you know i've got right. i've got my comfortable clothes on i've got a high i've got a really good microphone because i do this a lot so that's important and, and I've got a laptop and that's it. Yep. I love that. You know, and I think like anyone, it, your job is making publicity clear and easy for people. Like as a coach, I, my job is to make it clear and easy for them to take away that overwhelm, to help them find the clarity. And so that's what you're doing. And, and just by that title, you're taking away some of the things that are overwhelming people right now and keeping them stuck. So I love that. It's brilliant. And also the the lovely thing is too with publicity, it's it's visibility in a whole different platform. We're not talking about social media, you know, where everyone's cramming to be seen. When you are featured in the press or on TV or on radio, it takes you to a whole different visibility and credibility level. Right. And that credibility is key because you know, you do want to be seen as the expert in your field. And so if you have that publicity, you have the credibility, you know, like you said, you were blasting that all over as, you know, as heard on BBC too, you know? So I love that it does. It gives you that credibility without you having to constantly try to manufacture that credibility. (laughs) It jumps you ahead in that whole arena. It does. And then, of course, you get to put all those wonderful media logos on your website. So, you know, if you go to my publicity website, you'll see all the the media logos as seen on, you know, as featured in. And that, again, is the credibility you get for being featured in the media. Mm, That's amazing. So I'm going to put your website and all of that in the show notes. So if people are walking right now or driving, they can go to greatbigyes.com after and check it out. And I'll have the link there, but I just thank you so much for sharing, um, this story with us and just your enthusiasm, you know, your, um, excitement about what you do. And, and, and I'm a big believer that God's not finished with us yet. Right. We don't know what's coming next, but I always feel like there's some surprise around the corner. So who knows, this might not be the end business for you, right? There might be many more. <laughs> you just never know where you're going to end up, do you? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for being here, Sharon. Thank you, Sue. I've had so much fun and thank you so much for having me as a guest on your show. Mm, I love it. All right. Talk to you soon.
Okay, so now it's time for my segment called, wait, what? And I've got a really good one today. Although it was hard to decide because I was going through the news that I had read over the past week and different things that I had kind of earmarked as um, possibilities to talk about on the show. And there's just so much there, you guys. I mean, I can't even get to all of it. But this one really, I mean, I was scratching my head like, okay, what is this world coming to? So apparently, this is from the New York Post. A San Francisco teacher writes in an op-ed that Bernie Sanders' mittens are a lesson in white privilege. (laughs) So you'll all remember that Bernie was wearing the mittens and the puffy coat. We saw many, many memes about this. Some people laughed. Some people called it bullying. But there were a lot of memes and there was a lot of chatter about this. Apparently, Bernie made a sweatshirt and made money off of it and gave it to charity I guess the mitten company sold out. It's all good. Or maybe the coat company sold out. I don't know. I heard a lot of positive things came out of this. However, this teacher um, says that this was a lesson in white privilege. And so she was talking about, um, she says, what do I think my students should see in this? A wealthy, incredibly well-educated and privileged white man showing up for perhaps the most important ritual of the decade in a puffy jacket and huge mittens. The senator, she said, manifests privilege, white privilege, male privilege, and class privilege in ways that my students could see and feel. She said in the op-ed that many people without privilege would not be able to dress like Sanders did on such an occasion. She says, I don't know many poor or working class or female or struggling to be taken seriously folk who would show up at an inauguration of the 46th president dressed like Bernie. Anyway, she says Bernie represents the terrible privilege of the white and rich because he didn't wear expensive clothes. I mean, come on, you guys, what is going on? And I would be really, really irritated if a teacher in my child's class was talking about this. I I really am. It's manufacturing outrage about things that don't matter and are silly and don't make any sense to people with common sense. And so there are things in the world we need to be concerned about right now, like the mental health of our children, like the effect of the lockdowns on our children. Um, There are many, many things. Like I said, I could go on and on about all of it, but I don't want to. Right now, I just want to concentrate on this moment where a teacher in San Francisco has decided that Bernie Sanders wearing a puffy coat and his huge mittens, she says, manifests white privilege, male privilege, and class privilege. (laughs) I'm sorry. But if that doesn't have you scratching your head, I I don't understand. (laughs) This is a huge, wait, what? moment. All right, let me know what you think. If something has you scratching your head and wondering, wait, what? Send it to me at greatbigyes1 at gmail.com. I want to hear what's on your mind. All right, have a great day, you guys. Thanks for being here. Keep saying yes.